Hello, this is Robert Stearns. Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in. I really believe that learning is one of the greatest joys in life. And one of the greatest ways to learn is simply to have meaningful conversations, both with those who come from a similar background as yours, as well as those whose background might be very different. So my hope is that as we connect and converse with leaders from all around the world, that we will learn and grow together. If you're new with us, hit the subscribe button and we'll deliver the new episodes to you right away. Run in the car at the kitchen table with some coffee. Welcome to the conversation. We are excited for the bishop and the rabbi uh, are here on tonight. And most of you uh, know Rabbi Penny Dunner, who is the uh, the unofficial official rabbi of Eagle's Wings and the Israel Christian Nexus. We love him so dearly. Uh, and he is joining us tonight from his basement bunker in Beverly Hills, California. And uh, Rabbi Dunner is the former rabbi of the Saatchi Synagogue in London, England. And he is, the, he is now the rabbi of the Beverly Hills Synagogue in Beverly Hills, California. So he went from London to Beverly Hills, and soon he's going to graduate to be the Orthodox rabbi in Buffalo, New York. One day he will reach that esteemed plateau, that <laughs> that that plateau of all, that that threshold of all thresholds. You'll be the rabbi in Buffalo. So, Rabbi, we welcome you. You are beloved. We appreciate you so much, and thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for hosting me. I appreciate it. May I just begin by saying that uh, very sadly I heard last Saturday night about the death of the father of my sister-in-law, Willie Stern, mm. a Holocaust survivor, aged 84. Friday afternoon, he walked to the ambulance and within 24 hours he'd passed away. Mm. Um, and particularly, uh, and by the way, those of your viewers who want to see an article that I've written, in which I eulogize him, a, a most remarkable man. Uh, what he did for charity, he was a Holocaust survivor and uh, just an incredible individual, mm. so sadly taken away from us. And I know that at 84 years old, you may think, well, he's an older man. He was in robust health. He had, he had nothing to fear from his health condition. And yet this dreaded disease has taken him from us. But particularly, I want to mention that his son, Moshe, Moshe is uh, currently intubated and in an induced coma in London. So if those of you who can pray for, uh, for um, Moshe Shalom Eliezer Ben Shoshana Rosa, he should have a refuah shalema, complete and full recovery, and that we should hear good news from London about Moshe Stern. Amen. 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 And Rabbi, we'll get his name and type in his name. I know that that's very particular uh, in the Jewish tradition to pray specifically by the name, and we will do that uh, on our ongoing prayer chain. So um, to get that article about Rabbi's sister-in-law's father, who was a truly remarkable man, a Holocaust survivor, to read about his life, you can go to rabbidunner.com. That's Rabbi D-U-N-N-E-R. Dot com, And I would strongly encourage you to sign up for Rabbi's weekly newsletter. 
he releases a, an incredible newsletter. I read it every week about the Torah portion for the week. Uh, and you can get it. There's no cost. Uh, and go to rabbidunner.com to get that. All right, let's get into the meat of the evening. Jose Diaz is here, so we can now finally begin. Uh, Luann Mast, Dale and Luann, we love you. God bless you. So good to have so many friends on here tonight. Rabbi, when a crisis like this strikes, and first of all, we have to say, uh, we haven't had a crisis like this for a hundred years. Uh, it was not since the 1917-1918 season of what has been known as the Spanish flu. Somehow the media is all calling it the Spanish flu without any sense of being degrading to Spaniards, but to call this the Chinese flu is, but we'll leave politics out of it. Uh, nevertheless, um, we saw upwards of 20 to 30 million uh, die uh, a century ago, almost exactly a century ago. So it's been uh, a century since humanity has faced this. And yet, Rabbi, I would say that this is even unique from that because we are all interconnected. We know now literally by the hour how many people are dying, which uh, technology brings with it its blessings, but it also brings its sense of paranoia uh, because it puts us all into this global web of communication. But when humanity faces these extraordinary circumstances, I think of the tsunami that happened in Asia uh, about 10 years ago, where just in, you know, in an hour, you know, over, I think, 300,000 people were killed, um, et cetera, et cetera, these, these unbelievable acts. Humanity automatically says, I feel vulnerable. I want to feel safe. Where is God? Is God sovereign? If God is sovereign, why is he allowing this to happen? Or is this some force of darkness? Is this because there's evil in the world? You know, why is God allowing a virus to bring these things forth? And we go into this dichotomy of God versus the devil. Uh, and yet I don't necessarily believe that living in either of those dichotomous, uh, you know, places, grids, is the place to be. Share with us, how do you process from your faith perspective moments like this? Well, first of all, thank you so much for including me on your, on your broadcast. Um, I'm going to begin by saying I'm not a Greek philosopher. Um, I'm neither Greek nor am I a philosopher, but there is a very famous Greek philosophical saying, the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. And I think that uh, you began by saying that, uh, you know, 100 years ago this happened and somehow it didn't create the sense of panic that we're seeing today. And that's because we have this 24 hour media coverage where we're all watching the numbers slowly creep up and perhaps a little faster than we'd like. And we're looking at how is it affecting us and what do we know about it? The bottom line is we know very little and will continue to know very little for quite some time. So trying to know everything actually is a mistake because there's only one who knows everything and that wow. is Lord Almighty. He knows everything. And uh, one form of idol worship is to believe that humanity has the answer to every question. No, we don't. We are human beings and we were put here for a purpose 
we may know that purpose. Sometimes we occasionally get to know that purpose, but more often than not, we find ourselves in situations where we are in, uh, in, in foreign territory, in uncharted waters. Now, that is a test of faith. How do we behave when we are in uncharted waters, which is where we are at the moment? Coronavirus is something that none of us predicted, nor could we predict. I know that uh, if you look at the internet, there's people who are predicting pandemics. Of course, we've all anticipated pandemics, but I live in California. We're all waiting for the big one, right, in California. But when is the big one going to happen? We have no idea. How much preparation have I made for the big one? I haven't, to be honest. And when it happens, we deal with it. The crisis of faith is only because you think you're in control. But when you, when you relinquish control, when you recognize you're not in control, then when faith challenges occur, you are much more ready to deal with them than those who think that they are in control. So that's the first part of my answer. The second oh. part- Well, I, I want, wait, don't forget your second part, remember it, but I wanna just chew on this for a moment. So when we as humans, move toward this thing of control, controlling everything, which gives us really a false sense of security, it becomes a form of idolatry. And we see that really in scripture all the way back, I think, right to the Tower of Babel. We're going to build, we're going to build this uh, tower to the sky and we will accomplish all things. I remember being in Buffalo and giving a Torah class about the Tower of Babel to your to your pastors if you recall a couple of years ago right but rabbi you know the interesting thing is that at the tower of babel what god did is he scattered humanity by dividing them into languages it was the the appearance of multiple languages upon the earth at the tower of babel do i have that right yes so could we argue that in today's world, through the binary technology of zeros and ones, which translate into now a universal language of mathematics, and to the point that I can hold this phone up and I can speak in English and ask it to be translated into Spanish and it will appear in Spanish, are we once again creating another Tower of Babel through our own implementation of mathematics and technology is humanity again trying to become god and if so will we see the divine one again step into history and interrupt our ability to do so the great argument of all atheists is that god is somehow primitive and that you know modernity has to embrace knowledge as the true fount of, of human existence. And when we are confronted by a virus about which not, you know, I was just saying earlier on to someone, it's not that we know very little about it. We know nothing about it. It's a new phenomenon. My sister, unfortunately, has been suffering from coronavirus in London. She said, I have never been so sick in my life. I've never felt so weak. I've never had this feeling. I said, you know why? because it's never happened before in human history. Right. This is a completely new phenomenon, like when the, the European 
invaders or colonists came to America and all the Native Americans were infected with influenza and died, it's because they had no resistance to it. At some point, you have to cede power to God, power to outside forces over which you have zero control. And that's a neat segue into your, into your uh, question, the second part of your question, which was about the devil, about the existence of evil, and how can we believe in God if God doesn't seem to be in control or allows bad things to happen? So in Judaism, and I know that it's somewhat different in Christianity, in Judaism, we don't have a concept of devil. We don't have a concept of Satan as being a separate entity from God. We are put on this world where predominantly physicality and materia material aspects of the world dominate. So we are constantly distracted by the physicality and the materialism of our existence to believe that that is reality, but it's not reality. And that is the illusion of Satan or the illusion of devil. And all right, all right, hold on, hold on, because I want to chew this out for us. Yes. So you're saying, and listen, folks, I see a lot of folks joining on Great to see Michael Wood. Great to see Bruce Cox on tonight. All great, wonderful people. Hit the share button, everybody. Share, share, share. Go ahead and the share button so we can uh, see as many folks here. This is possible. Rabbi, you just said something profound. You said that we become distracted by physicality, which steers us away from the things that are the most enduring and the most real, which is that which is unseen. The unseen realm, the spiritual realm, is the most real and the most enduring, but these physical distractions take us off track from the realm that is the most real. If I'm healthy, I'll worship God. If I'm rich, I'll worship God. If I have a nice house, I'll worship God. And if I don't, I'm too busy with that stuff to be worried about God. That's what we think. But actually, God wants to tell you that you're vulnerable in every situation. This is an illness and a sickness that has equally attacked rich and poor. It doesn't matter which country you come from, all over the world, who's in control? It's God who's in control. And it doesn't matter if you live in China, and it doesn't matter if you live in the United States, if you live in Australia, if you live in the United Kingdom, wherever you are in the world, you are vulnerable to God's power. And God is telling us, in the end, it doesn't matter how clever you are and how much you know. You know, we're about to celebrate Passover. Passover is the seminal moment of Jewish history. It's the foundational moment to the extent that in Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, it's considered the second creation of the world. That means the formation of the Jewish people is considered the second, the second big bang. It is the second moment of creation. And we're going to sit down at Seder night this year, many of us on our own or with very uh, reduced numbers of people, it's usually a big family event. And we're going to look at the Haggadah. And I would urge your viewers to find a Haggadah online, which is the book that Jewish people read at Seder night, the night of Passover. And we aim to say that God himself rescued us and brought us into liberation, salvation and redemption on Passover night. On that fateful night at midnight, at the stroke of midnight, the Jewish nation was created. And the question the Haggadah asks is, why did God do it himself? Couldn't he have found some minion to do it? Couldn't he have found an angel? Couldn't he have found a messenger? And the answer is, 
it had to be God himself. It is the revelation of God that can release the energy that is required for faith in God. And, it, and on Passover night, just one more thing, on Passover night, doesn't matter if you're the greatest scholar, doesn't matter if they, you've done it a hundred times before. By the way, the, by the age of 50, we do two nights of Seder. You'll have done the Seder 100 times. So it makes no difference. In Hebrew, kulanu chachamim, kulanu nevonim. We're all scholars. We're all brilliant. We're, we all know everything that there is to know. We have to recognize we're no different than the people who don't know. We have to sit there equal, on equal terms to everybody else and say, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? I'm so clever. I'm better than my neighbor. I'm better than the other country. I'm better than everybody. What does God want from me? He put me in this world. He put my soul into a physical body. What does he want from me? How should I react to the challenge that I am facing in this given situation? And I want to tell you, it is a, it is a privilege for our generation for all the incredible difficulty and challenges that this situation is going to throw up, it is a privilege for our generation to face this faith challenge and to rise above it and to still believe in God. We can bring the Messiah. We are able to see the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Preach. If we face this challenge and come out of it with greater faith and greater belief in God than we ever had before. That is our challenge, and that's what we have to do in the next few weeks and months. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, so many folks are commenting uh, on, on the power of your words. It's extraordinary. Um, we're talking tonight to Rabbi Penny Dunner. He is the uh, Orthodox rabbi at the Beverly Hills Synagogue. Uh, and you can find him online at rabbidunner.com, rabbidunner.com. D-U-N-N-E-R. Sign up for his weekly um, teaching on the Torah every single week. Rabbi, uh, our time's getting away from us. I got a hundred questions that I want to ask you, but um, I'll just ask one or two. Um, Rabbi, it's, it, there's been a lot of talk in our community, in the evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal community, about the fact that we're this, this plague has settled in on us right between, I'm going to talk about two things and then we'll let you go. So here's number one. This plague has settled in on us right, right between Purim and Pesach, Passover, with Pentecost to come right after that. And we're saying, how we've been interpreting that is, God, you're speaking to our individual identity, which is Purim. Hadassah, Esther, had to, had to accept that she as an individual had come to God's kingdom, had come to that moment of assignment for such a time as this. She had to feel that individual weight of responsibility. Passover was the death angel passing by, and, and it's hard not to, I mean, listen, the, the death angel may have been activated as a virus. You know, you, you don't, I mean, who, who knows how that manifested uh, in, in Egypt? Uh, but there certainly is death passing us over. And yet we believe that God wants to bring us into a harvest of his kingdom, into a, into a Shavuot 
of righteousness, you know, coming out of this. So this is how in our construct, we're interpreting this moment. Um, it's very interesting, the timeline that is out there with Passover coming. Uh, speak to those issues and that kind of conceptual understanding of where we're at. We have a concept in Judaism that we rise from dark into light, from ashes into glory, and that when things seem darkest, that's when the light is going to emerge. The sun rises after the darkest point in the night. We are now in a situation where the entire world is in complete darkness. There's been financial collapse. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their livelihoods. People are confined to their homes. As they were on Passover night, they were slaves in Egypt, confined to their homes with the angel of death hovering over their homes. And yet, in a split second, at midnight, as it were, God passed over their homes and they emerged victorious Hallelujah. and glorious. They became the people of God, the chosen people, who seven weeks later stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and re received the revelation of the law and the tablets from Moses, the word of God, the Ten Commandments. We, if we welcome this moment, confined to our homes, as it were, with the angel of death hovering over our homes, we can emerge and in seven weeks time, and everyone's talking about this being a two month period, in seven weeks time, we can receive the word of God at the foot of Mount Sinai and prepare ourselves to take on the promised land and come and welcome the Messiah. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have a praise break. We're gonna have a praise break right there, everybody. <laughs> amazing, Rabbi, amazing. Rabbi, would you give a final blessing as we go out tonight? I want to bless you all that the Spirit of God should be with you and that any evil that could threaten you shall be averted and that we should all live to see the glorious day when the Messiah will come and Jerusalem will be rebuilt. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Eagle's Wings or become a partner to advance this global movement, visit www.eagleswings.org. Make sure you're following along on Facebook at Robert Stearns and Instagram at Dr. Robert Stearns to stay up to date and get the latest on everything that is happening. Until next time, blessings and keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem.